Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now. Here's Pastor Raphael. Hello. Thanks once more for stopping by and for downloading our program podcast entitled, Where Are We Going? I'm Raphael Martinez, a minister in the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and thanks for taking the time to listen in. This podcast is one of the services of Spearwatch Ministries, an outreach of discernment in our deceptive world that has been ongoing since 1993. You can learn more about us at our website, spiritwatch.org, and keep up to date using our Facebook and YouTube links there on the page as well. Our Spearwatch Unchained blog has been around a few years. We post there with updates as well, uh, as, as well as offer exclusive discernment content you won't find anywhere else. We hope you'll enjoy visiting there as well and, and, and bookmark those ones and, and stop by to keep track of those. And while you're at it, invite all your friends and enemies, neighbors, strangers, and everyone else, all points in between, to listen in as well. We're always seeking new audiences, and we'd appreciate your help spreading the word. We're now found on Spotify, Google, and Amazon podcast channels. And if you're here visiting, thanks so much. Pour yourself a nice cup of ice water. And we're like, we're just sit down and relax with us for the next hour or so, even though what we're about to hear is not something you can exactly relax to. Our podcast is devoted to providing biblical perspectives on the ongoing plunge of the world into the darkness of spiritual deception as foretold by Bible prophecy and the history of fallen humanity. In today's episode, we're going to continue providing testimony from survivors of the Gladstone Community Movement in Marymount, Ohio, near Cincinnati. It now calls itself the Madison Place Community Church. This group of about 100-plus men and women living in an insular neighborhood they've created there prides itself on being a shining example of Christian community that's miles ahead of Christendom's spoiled church brats, as they might characterize it. But all the while, they utterly failed to realize how much of a monstrously abusive example of grotesque cultism they've become by feeding themselves on the goodwill of credulous evangelicals all around and creating a community based upon manipulation, coercion, uh, phobia indoctrination, and cultic mind control. This will be our fourth interview of a survivor of the movement to come forward, and they will share courageously about what it's really like to live as a resident of what Gladstone believes is the most perfect example of Christian life on the earth, a place so perfect that no one feels there's anywhere else to go when the sweet fellowship there quickly sours. And once again, we want to thank uh, the great generosity of, of our guests who come on to our podcast, who really, they really put themselves out. They really lay themselves out and become open books for us as we, as we ask questions and ask them to share about their experiences. And I really want to thank Eric Krauss, who's a former leader in Gladstone uh, for several years who's decided to come on our show and then I would welcome to our virtual studios today, Eric. I'm glad you're here and I hope you're 
enjoying the uh, the cold drinks and the and my wife's uh, flan uh, back there in the green room. So <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Raphael. Glad All glad right, great. Here. Yeah, it's not good for your teeth, but it's delicious. So it's we're good stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, but but anyway, Eric. Um, once again, thank you. Uh, you've been in a place sure. that few other people are able to ever really go. And that's to be in a, in a, in a really, uh, really, really unique perspective. And that being one who, who was actually part of a leadership structure within a, uh, a, a cultic movement. And that cultic movement we're speaking of is, of course, the Gladstone community. Uh, I understand you joined, uh, in 2012. And, uh, but before that, uh, what was going on in your life? What, what, what were you, uh, where, where'd you come from? And, uh, what was going on that eventually helped you cross paths with them? Yeah, so um grew up in London, Ohio. Um was a Christian for um for a little while when I was younger but kinda walked away from the faith, kinda um I wouldn't say fell away, but kinda drifted after my dad drifted. And then I got to a point just dealing with some traumatic um stuff from my past when I got it in um, into my late twenties to where I realized I needed God. I yeah. got introduced, I got introduced to Gladstone through a mentor of mine and they just wanted me to, you know, come be a part of this group. Uh, these young people who were really following Jesus in a major way and thought it would be good for me. And, and I really wanted some community. It sounded very appealing. And so I went and, uh, I went to a Thursday night group at, uh, at that time it was just one of the houses where we all met. And as soon as I got there, um, just like some of the other members who had left had said, you, you go there and it's ex- extreme love. They, they just, um, they attract to you automatically and make you feel very welcome, loving, very inviting. Uh, so that was very appealing to me and I, I kept coming back and, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. So, so you went there and you just really found something that you felt like you really needed. All that something that was missing. And there was just that sense of connection and community and people who just gave you this, this totally, uh, unconditional love. Absolutely. Like nothing I'd ever encountered before. Right. Uh, and it, honestly, it was exactly what I was looking for. Right. I was looking for a community and I was looking for um, my faith again and really wanting to follow Jesus. And I found all that. I found all that at Gladstone in the beginning, for sure. Right, right. Was the, the mentor you're speaking of, were they actually involved with uh, with, um, with Gladstone at all? Were they, were they part of the group or were they somebody outside it? No, they were, uh, they were outside of, of Gladstone. Okay. But they had heard, they had heard from um, some friends. And um, just said, hey, you should go check this out. I heard good things about it. Okay. So it's third parties that basically gave you the, right. the ear uh, in on that. So when they felt that uh, it'd be a great place to be encouraged. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That seems to be a common experience with a lot of people who get involved in Glasgow. They, they hear from other people who are, are even in the group saying, oh, this is a great place. 
there's a great place where, where Jesus is and where, where everyone loves one another and everyone gets together. And, and from what it sounds like at, at that point, you know, even back in 2012, even though they were getting ready to go through the transitions they did, it sounds like Glaston really was happening. They were, they, there was a, there was a real sincerity to it all. They really were trying to really actively live out their faith, was it not? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and on the surface, it, it, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think back then, I, I can't remember, um, who said that, but someone else that you interviewed said back in 2012, it may have been a year or two later when they were there, but, um, I, it wasn't this intense as it is now. I really mm-hmm. think it was, there were, there were a little more freedoms back then. Um, wasn't as stringent, wasn't as Rob's regiment as it is now. So, but it's progressively gotten worse for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and that's indeed what, what it really sounds like that. Yeah. And I think it was about that point where they were pretty, you know, getting pretty involved with, uh, the, the other churches near, especially Marymount, right? Uh, back, back when I, when I went there in 2012, not so much, um, a little bit. It got about a year later is when we started doing more things with Marymont, uh, started using the church, started having services together and started, um, having prayer meetings together. And so I think that the, um, the relationship between Zach, the elders, Dennis, Bosager and some of his elders started to, um, started to mingle a lot more. So we started to. Uh, yeah, be a part of their church as well. Right. So that you, so you entered in about the height of the time in which, uh, it just seemed like, uh, the, you know, uh, the Marymount Community Church were, were, had found this wonderful group of young people who, uh, who wanted to live for Christ and they're doing all they can to encourage it and maybe, you know, perhaps, uh, uh, mentor it in some way. And that they actually began working, uh, directly together. And, and so, um, so what was it like for you when you said, when they began to encourage you to, you know, obviously get more involved and, and, uh, how quickly did they, did they, uh, approach you regarding the, their unique, uh, communal living situation in which you basically live with them and, 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 and interact with them and, and then move you towards what they, what's now as their common purse visit, uh, doctrine where everybody, you know, basically, you know, uh, contributes to a common fund out of their own livings and, and then lives on the stipend and to, to keep the community going. Uh, what, when, as you, I guess what my question is, um, what point did, was it in which you finally felt like that was a, 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 just a logical progression or, or the next thing to do? Honestly, Raphael, it wasn't but three weeks and I had moved in. So okay. I went there, I was hanging around, I was coming there after work, I was hanging out with the guys, uh, I was just very attracted to it, and the more that I hung out, the more they, they, you know, we would have dinner together or whatever, I would ask questions and just say, you know, like, this is this is pretty awesome what you guys are doing, and they would, uh, they would direct me to Acts 2, where the early church shared everything, they shared, they shared their whole life, they accumulated their money together so that way they could give back to the mm-hmm. kingdom. Uh, they shared housing and nobody was in want. No one was in need. No one wasn't in abundance. We were all on the leveling playing field. 
and we believe this is how God wants us to live, and we believe that this is um, kind of insinuated. This is how everyone should be doing this, and I found that to be very unique, but also um, very appealing. I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, it, 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 it was the aspect of don't let money be a worry. Let's mm-hmm. all let's all just worry about other things because money will corrupt you, you know. Right. Um, and so we will we will accumulate all of our funds. Everyone will have a you know other people have said this too. You have a monthly stipend. That way, no one is, is no one is better than the other kind of. Right. And a lot, a lot of the times it was, hey, use your stipend money to take out someone who's new or someone who's come to group, uh, take them to dinner and love on them. And, and I was like, you know what? That's pretty awesome. Like, that's pretty cool. So it wasn't, it wasn't long before I was, I was like, hey, so what's it look like to move in if I really wanted to move in? And me being a single guy, no kids at this point or anything like that, it almost felt like a, like a, like a, uh, like a fraternity. Yeah. And where I, where I was like, wow, I, I would love to move in and sleep in a bunk bed and <laughs> hang out with you guys and not have to yeah. worry about money and, and, and work on the work crew because I did uh, home restoration remodeling. So they ultimately were like, Hey, we have a work crew and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, that'd be sweet. Just get up and walk to the house next door and work on it. And the girls would bring you coffee and treats and like it was, it was awesome. I loved it and I wanted yeah. to be a part of it. Right. So I I was working during the day doing doing construction and, and then coming there and helping out in the evenings and doing stuff there and say, I can fix that for you. I can fix this for you. And everyone was so appreciative. And I mean, like I said, it was almost like a, like, like a frat house where you got, you had the, uh, the sorority next door and you had the frat next door to that. And yeah, it was, right. it was really cool. It was really cool. And at that point, how how many houses were there when you got there? And I mean, how many were they operating? And uh, was he said it was just basically one, one man, one one for the men, one for the women, or were there several? I would. It's been it's been you know such a long time, almost uh, since been ten years ago. So I would say probably at that time there was like maybe two or three girls' houses and probably four or five guys' houses. Wow! So it was starting to it was starting it was starting to grow. Yeah. A bit. I think there was um one married couple at that point. Right. And how many men were living in each house and women? I mean, how what, what was the manning like there? Like I said, it was just like a like a frat house. You had bunk beds in each room. There was probably two to three rooms to each house. And if you've ever been in a house in uh in Madison Place, these are not big houses. These are probably twelve hundred square feet. And so we're packed in there like sardines. Um, <laughs> I think Scott had mentioned this where you're like sharing a closet with another guy and three other guys. And yeah. she had, you know, four guys to two closets. And it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. But at the time I didn't really think anything of it. I was just so dumbfounded by how this worked. And uh, it was, it was awesome, but kind of crazy at the same time. So right. it was yeah. not, uh, not very comfortable, but that's the whole point. You know, get out of your comfort zone. This isn't about you. The kingdom isn't about you. It's about others. Right. So that was what was being preached to us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So that's, so, and, and that's what's, uh, where the, where the vision came. So, so how did you, so when you went there, uh, and you started going and just hanging out, I mean, who were the, 
who are the authority figures? Who are the ones that uh, obviously were, were leading? And, and I mean, we know that Zach Kaczynski was was the main elder there, but uh, was there just a small cadre of people who were basically you know moving the the conversations around and, and the discussion, or how how was that going? All the interaction, who, who led that? Uh, so Alex Senny at the time was an elder. Zach was an elder. Sebastian was just starting to kind of like move up the ranks per se. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it, I think uh, Christy had mentioned this is kind of a popularity contest. Yeah, the 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 body will vote on who you know, like oh, well, let's, we're gonna have a vote for eldership, you know. But if the elders liked you. Then that's what was, that's who was going to become the next elder, you know, or that's who's going to become leadership. Okay. So, um, if you were, if you were maybe a little more socially awkward or you were an introvert, um, doubtful you're going to be in leadership. Right. Yeah. So it's automatically just how well you connected with, uh, with, with the, uh, elders and the leadership. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. So when and when it when it comes to talking about leadership, I mean, was there? Uh, I guess there was more of an of an active desire for people to you know be in fellowship, hanging out, and uh, how how were people? Uh, I mean, how did people move up? I mean, aside from being liked by the elders, I mean, was there was there a drive? Was there a, 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 a any compulsion uh, for people to seek to be leaders, or just, or I mean, how far did the whole thing about serving and 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 being served really go there? You know, the the serving and being served thing. Um, was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. You really moved up in the ranks when you started calling people out, re, quote unquote, rebuking them. Okay. Um, I mean, Sebastian at one point had the, um, had the nickname the Rebukinator because he was just all the time calling people out, having conversations, you know, and that was, that was very, um, very attractive to the elders and they, 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 they liked that. Really? So that's how Sebastian, that's how Sebastian moved up the ranks pretty quickly. Um, and whether, whether Sebastian recognized that's what Zach, Zach liked or what, you know what I mean? I don't know, but the more that you challenge people and the more that you called them out, um, I think, I think that was definitely a proponent for leadership. And why would people need to do that? I mean, uh, I mean, why, why, what was the whole, the whole, uh, Rationale within within um, uh, Glass Zone for needing to call people out. Why 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 would that be done? Uh, because you're 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 helping your brother grow. Okay. You know. Um. Yeah, I don't. It's that's still convoluted to me a little bit. I don't I don't understand it. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't very rarely done in love to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it was usually it almost felt like a power trip. Um, but I, I, I don't know for sure, Raphael. I honestly think that it, it is a, uh, uh, it's a deception piece and it is, um, just twisting scripture, mm-hmm. you know, right. Uh, it, it talks about, you know, calling your brother out and rebuking them in love, but right. I think it was, um, a deception of, of the enemy, honestly. Right. Right. And it makes you wonder, you know, at what point does reliance upon 
uh, upon the authority of God's word, speaking into specific things in your, your life, talking to you about your issues, and trusting in the role of the Holy Spirit to convict you to change, as opposed to somebody imposing change on you by calling you out. I mean, it makes you wonder well, who's really in charge there within within that uh, that little circle. Yeah, it's it's funny because. If Sebastian or someone or, you know, Ben Von Korf or any of these guys in leadership that wanted to, because hanging out with each other was a big thing. It's like, use your stipend money to hang out and, and, and fellowship with each other. But if you were, if you, if you went to hang out and you didn't get called out, that was probably that was that was not a good thing because uh, more than likely every time you were hanging out just for fellowship, you were being called out for something. So it was right. very rarely just hanging out and having a good time with each other. Right. So you you can be you can be sitting there uh, using your stipend to order around a piece of everybody, and while you're sitting there, you know, uh, living on on the Domino's uh, deep crust, whatever it is you're eating. <laughs> Somebody will look at you yeah. and say, oh, well, by the way, uh, you, you just seem a little bit this or that, X, Y, or Z. So this became uh, a common thing to do. It, it just seemed to be a part of the lifestyle in Glasgow that you just can't afford to go through life without getting called out or, or rebuked for something you, you supposedly did, right? Yeah, so if you're, most of the time, if you hang out one-on-one, it's, oh, we're going to hang out and have some fun, but it was usually – always involved with some kind of calling you out or this is what you need to work on. But the only person that never did that was Zach personally hanging out one on one. one. Mm -hmm. But you know, the people under him were always doing it. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Zach wanted to keep this, Zach wanted to keep this image that, that he wasn't the one, but he was orchestrating everything. Right. And that's my my understanding of speaking to Scott and Christy so far, you know, and, and all the others we have spoke with. It sounds like he really was a puppet master. He he really had the strings behind the scene. You just didn't see. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He was he was the he was the ringleader, and he was very right. good at it. So what what was a daily okay? What, what was a day in the life like for, for you? Uh, well, before we get to you, uh, what was the day in life? What could everybody in community expect from leadership on a daily basis? I mean, where was Zach? Where were the other leaders? Um, if Zach obviously didn't need to be somewhere when he could still get his, his own mandates taken care of through the elders, what, what did that look like daily? I mean, where, how did you get instruction? How did you get that? And then, and then, and then of course, there was the weekly things you guys all did together, getting together for, for studies and, and fellowship. Well, how did that look like? I'm sorry, what did that look like for... Yeah, for what, what, did look like for, what did it look like for Zach to lead and, and, then, and then lead by proxy through elders on a daily basis? What did it look like? Um, so Zach would, I mean, in the mornings we always had prayer meetings. Um, we had, uh, specific times to get up, you know, it was in, quote unquote encouraged. If you didn't, you were definitely frowned upon. Um, <laughs> yeah. but there were, there were no definitely, doubt. there were definitely times, there were definitely times when, you know, Zach might not have been there or whatever. And it was because, 
whatever, you know, he was, he was doing God's work and he, he had, he had things going on. And if, if that was the case, and you know, that was the case, but if you weren't there, well, then there's, there's something going on. You, you're, you're either giving into your flesh or, or whatever, but it was frowned upon. Um, but Zach was never, uh, very rarely at, uh, any of the prayer meetings I was ever at. And there were prayer meetings in the morning and you took your pick, but you needed to be at at least one of those. Um, and after I got into leading the work crew and, and I had a little more freedom to kind of, to kind of roam and check on the guys and do different things, Zach would just be doing, uh, uh, whatever he wanted in his house or he would just walk around and kind of talk to people. So not, not an extreme routine for Zach. Yeah. Um, but he, but he, but he was there. Like he, he's definitely making an, he was making an appearance and he was, he was there quite often. But, um, the thing I noticed was if, if he wasn't, it was okay, you know, but if, but if you weren't, if you didn't make it, like, you know, there must be some sin going on, brother. What's, what's going on? Can we talk about this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you told me it was optional, but <laughs> it doesn't really seem optional. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so with that said, I mean, with that kind of leadership position, that kind of leadership structure in there where people were always on pins and needles, there still, of course, was room for people to, to make really good close relationships and bonds within, within, within those parameters. People still made friends, so there were still great relationships. There's a lot of sharing and bonding. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. You know, that's what was, what, what was, uh, at the heart of, uh, of the, of the, uh, the daily lifestyle there. So, so as you got involved more and, and hung out more, you began learning, well, be careful about what you keep, watch your P's and Q's when it comes to this, that, and everything else. Um, from what I understand, you, 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 you kind of shot your way up through the leadership because, uh, I mean, talking to you now, I can hear you're obviously a very energetic, dynamic guy. You're friendly, uh, you're charismatic. In, yeah. in, in, in that sense, um, and you just project yourself as a sort of person that really um, likes to be in the middle of things. So, and I understand that that certainly contributed to your being voted to leadership. And uh, what was that like? Well, how they? How did you? How were you chosen? Now, were they in the way you mentioned, or was there some other unique way where that was done? Well, I mean, I, I I've always been really good with people. Um, I think, you know, one of God's callings on my life is, you know, to, to lead some yeah. aspect and I've never really desired it. God's kind of always put me there. Um, so I think he's made me a very personable person. And so when, as I entered the community and I started hanging out with people, I just got along with everybody. People liked me. Uh, I knew how to do construction. So I'm on the work crew. I'm mingling with all the different houses and the people that stay in those houses, whether it's the girls' houses, the married couples' houses, the guys' houses. So I got to know everyone very quickly. Um, and so I think they noticed that I would be a good proponent for work crew, like leading the work crew. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I shot the ranks pretty quick and started leading the work crew uh, pretty, pretty, pretty fast. And it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm kind of, kind of skip forward, but it does, um, it, it does make sense to bring this up now. I was talking to a guy when I had left uh, the first time, and, and he's like, "Hey, man, I don't think I can have a relationship with you." Uh, and it's really sad because you're on you're on fast track to becoming an elder. It's like, 
how would you even know that? You know what I mean? It was just weird that he said that. So to know, for him to know that that was probably going to be an option for me just mm-hmm. goes to show you that it was almost a popularity contest. Yeah. People knew, people, people knew who was going to be the next elder. Yeah. You know, it, it, it wasn't really ordained by God. I shouldn't say that. Maybe it was a little bit, but it, there was a lot more of, um, the, the decision by people before anything else. Right. I mean, everyone, everyone certainly has a destiny and a place that, that, that they can, uh, certainly look forward to fulfilling. I mean, everybody, uh, isn't always aware of what that is, but, uh, I think, I think, but there are those of us who understand that, you know, that's, there's a specific direction in our lives to live by. Yeah. And, and obviously you recognize that this was, you know, certainly a, a, a a big part of your own personal skill set. And that is something mm-hmm. that God certainly could use. And, and knowing where you were, you certainly had a, had a, had a heart for helping people. You desired yeah. to be a servant. You desired that. And you, you mm-hmm. served, um, you served others, um, just to serve them. You didn't have an agenda. And so therefore that, I mean, that yeah. kind of enthusiasm, it, it rubs off, you know, you, you'll, it'll eventually get noticed. And so, uh, so you said you became a work crew leader. Um, now, um, so you were actually on the way to actually becoming an elder, uh, in there now, or, or were you, or did you actually become an elder? I mean, let me back up, say it again. You were on the way to becoming an elder and, and did you actually arrive at that point where you were chosen to be an elder or what exactly happened? Or what, where did that go? No, I, I, I never became an elder. Okay. I eventually became a, um, a house leader. Okay. Um, and so I was uh, leading a work crew. I was a house leader. At this point, Sebastian had become an elder. So I was um, in the same house as, as Sebastian, and, and then I became house leader of that house. And so, but no, I never, I never became an elder. Right. You didn't become part of the executive leadership, but you certainly were a person of influence there. Yeah, um, I wasn't, I wasn't an elder, but I was right underneath the elders, but I, I mingled with them all day, mm-hmm. every day. Right. You know, I, I, I was great friends with all of them. Okay. I was great friends with all the, all the leadership. And Zach, Zach was one of them. I was a great friend with Zach. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So after you were there for a time and then, uh, like I said, you're working on things, um, what were some of the unique um, experiences you had in terms of uh, understanding what they taught and they believed, you know, understand divorce and marriage were obviously mm-hmm. forbidden. That, that's something that was, as we've already talked about, there were teachings that uh, they that the community embraced, which became a point of irritation between them and Marymount later. And that um, there was... Yeah, there, were pamphlet, there, were, there were pamphlets that were made yeah. about divorce and remarriage so that we could hand them out and let people know. Right. So what do you think about marriage? <laughs> um, well, in the, in, in the confines of the community, it was a very touchy subject. It was very touchy. So if you, for instance, if you, uh, were attracted to a girl or a guy was, a, or a girl was attracted to a guy, you would take that before your house leader and all your brothers in your house and you would, um, you would let them know like, Hey, I, I am really, interested in this girl 
and I would like to pursue her. And you would kind of um, await their response. And they would say, oh, okay, we will, we will all pray about that. We will walk through this together. And wow. um, we'll, we'll take it before the elders and we will, we'll get back to you and, wow. and tell you, tell you what the quote unquote, what the Lord says. Oh, um, okay. All right. But in, in my time there, I saw one person actually pursue a relationship and it actually followed through and they, they actually got married and they have kids now. Uh, Eric Potter he has, I don't know how many kids he has, at least three now. He has his own house and stuff there, but there was, um, there was a very stringent process for that and very seldom did they say, okay, yeah, we think, we think this is a good thing. And you two being two believers led by the Holy Spirit, we think that you guys can go ahead and, and, and pursue each other. Well, actually the guy can pursue, the guy can pursue the woman because that's, that was what, um, that's what they believed. And the guys well, pursue the woman. So girls were never allowed to, and I'm, I'm saying this out of experience from talking with a couple of the girls later on and from hearing their perspective. The girls, if the girls said anything about liking a guy, it was just pushed to the wayside. Like, okay, well, if that's the case, the Lord will show the guy and the guy will pursue you. So you just wait. Wow. So there's really that much, I mean, control over how people sure. live there in terms of, you know, even, even just something that personal. I mean, I certainly see the value of, of, you know, asking people to, you know, to look over what you're saying, but, but you're telling me that every time you were, you, you never, you never saw, I'm sure there had to be with a group of young men and women together there had to been a lot more, uh, you know, interest in one other than that was ever actually, uh, confessed to or ever actually really acted upon, was there? Oh, I, I, absolutely. There yeah. were plenty of guys I talked to who were like, man, I really, I'm really interested in this girl, you know. And, you know, Rafael, I do understand. You have a community like that. Everyone's living in tight quarters together. You're all one yeah. big family. You don't want a bunch, you don't want a bunch of frivolous dating and sexual morality. Totally get that. Right. Um, but I think if two people led by the Holy Spirit are in a good place and they're really following the Lord, and especially within the confines of, of, of the community, you can let them hang out and see if there's anything there and get to know each other. Um, but that was not okay. If you hung out with one of the sisters uh, alone, it was uh, it was very, um, very frowned upon mm -hmm. to just hang out and, 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 and have coffee was not. And you're supposed to be a family. Uh, I did that a couple of times where, you know, uh, one of the sisters and I would, would go and just get coffee and hang out and talk and get to know each other. Strictly platonic. And I, I got rebuked for it. You know what I mean? Like, you need to lead her well. You don't want to hurt her emotions. Um, and I'm like, okay, understand that. But, you know, I never did, I never did that again. I would, I, I never did it again. Wow. So there's actually a very, like I said, a very tight control over how people interacted and, and were in relationship with one another. They, they wanted so far no more uh, under the guise of being sexually pure and, 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 mm -hmm. and, and all that. But at the same time, uh, everybody was supposed to live celibates and, and, and then at the same time, not just be celibate, but be absolutely, uh, um, off limits in terms of interacting with one another. And that sounds, sounds so really, 
uh, I mean, just dr- draconian. I mean, where, where people aren't even allowed yeah. to interact with, with one another. Uh, I understand that at one point that, that uh, there was something called the marriage idolatry, which was a frowned on sin there. And then, and I suppose that was supposedly part of it, that that marriage was actually viewed as something that uh, could be viewed as a, as a form of, of bondage, uh, to people. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah, that's what they told me. They told me I had, I had expressed interest in a girl and, um, went to them. I did everything by the book, you know, went through the process. Um, her and I had actually texted back and forth and I told Sebastian, I said, Hey man, like, I think he, and I wasn't trying to hide it by any means. We weren't doing anything bad. We were just, you know, texting back and forth. I can't even remember what it was about. Um, and Sebastian had either seen it or whatever, and I was never trying to hide it. So he said, Hey man, you know, just want to make sure that that's, that's a, that's a pure thing going on there or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it is, you know? Um, and eventually I said, uh, Hey man, like we're still texting and stuff and I'm pretty interested in her. I want to walk, I want to walk this out. There was, um, there, there was doctrine we had and there was a, uh, it was given to you in the beginning of like all the processes and things that um, kind of like a, um, what's this, a statement, like a business statement or whatever you call. But so I walked that out. I knew the process and I walked that out and they said, Hey, we think that you're ready, but uh, she's not ready. She's not ready. <laughs> she's being decided. She's being discipled by the girls and the elders are discipling her through some stuff that she had some struggles with guys in the past. And so we want to, uh, we want to make sure that she, uh, that she's ready. Uh, we think you're ready. We think that you're, you're ready to date, but she's not. So we're going to put a hold on this for now. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad yeah. there's such excellent judges of human nature that could do that. I mean, it sounds, it sounds to me, like I said, they certainly had more of an agenda regarding keeping people on their toes all the time. I mean, if you're going to be submitting yourself to that kind of degree of of, of, of micromanagement and, and control, I mean, then there's no time to other extent of direction that you'll submit yourself towards in terms of uh, other lifestyle choices. And, and that always, when it's run towards you know, supporting the agenda that they had there and the direction that they have, uh, so much the better. I mean, it sounds yeah, to me like that's what they're doing. Yeah, and funny enough, um, later on down the road, I actually had talked to her about this. This was after I had left. And I had uh, I had reached out to see if she would like to talk. And she actually met me behind their back. And we talked, uh, we talked for hours just about things. And I said, let me see a question. We were going through that process or whatever. Were you being discipled because you had some issues with guys and from your past or whatever? And, and they were telling me to hold off that you were being discipled or whatever. And she goes, Eric, I, no one was ever talking to me about anything. No one said anything about me having problems. No one was discipling me. No one had even told me that that, that, that was going on. Yeah. So uh, they straight up lied to my face and told me some bull crap about, discipling her when when all in reality they just didn't want us to date and if you would have just told me that i would have respected that yeah you know but for whatever reason i don't know if they didn't want to offend me or or what but they completely lied to me about that yeah yeah and then it got to the, and then it got to the point where 
and I don't know how far if you want me to continue uh, kind of progressing here in, uh, in timeline or not. But no, that's fine. No, no, this is your story. Yeah. I mean, so, so I, I got, uh, I was, I was not okay with it because sure they told me, Hey, you need, you need to wait. She's not ready. And I, and I was good friends with Eric Potter and Sebastian and all of them. Again, I was in leadership and I was hanging out with them and, and I was probably best friends with the, the elders and Zach more than I was with, uh, the other guys. And so I'm like, so what's this look like, man? Like how long, uh, she being discipled or whatever. And they're like, well, I had one elder say, well, cause I, I, you know, again, I'm an extrovert, love people, love doing things, having fun together. One of the reasons why I was there. And so I would organize events. Hey, let's all go ice skating. Who wants to go? And like 10 people would sign up and I, you know, I would, I would orchestrate it all and we would all go have fun, you know, and, and they're like, um, just, or, you know, continue to do what you're doing, orchestrating these events and stuff and, and invite her. Make sure that she's in on the list and then that way you guys can hang out in a group and see what happens and see what the Lord's doing. And then I would have another elder say, don't, do not invite her. If you're going to be there, do not invite her. Hmm. And I, I brought them both together. I said, hey, you, you two are telling me conflicting stories here. He's telling me it's okay to invite her so that we can kind of get to know each other. And but yeah, but the, the, the other elder is telling me not to. So you guys need to get your story straight because this is not cool. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, so, uh, we'll just be on the same page and just don't, just don't, if you're going to, if you're going to have events, don't invite her, don't put her on the list. I said, Hey man, this ain't cool, bro. Like, and we got an argument about it one night. I was like, this is, this is not okay. This, you got, you guys are, these are some crazy rules we got going on here. Yeah. And so at that, at that point I started to get on the bad side of the others and they didn't like that because I was standing up to them. Yeah. Right. You're calling them out basically for their, yeah. for their, for their, their inconsistencies. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my, my desire was to always have a, uh, to have a wife and raise a family and, and have a, have a house and have a, have a career and, you know, have all the things that are part of life. Right. But right. I was told I, I am, uh, I am swayed by money and I have marriage idolatry and all I want is things and, that this isn't okay. And at that point, my mentor had kind of, cause, um, uh, they were talking to me periodically and they could see the change in me. They could see that I was, I was being micromanaged and my life was being, um, kind of controlled on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. So they would send me, uh, they would send me things like, Hey, this person's looking for a roommate and, and you know, they're getting in the place. And, knowing that I live in the community and then I'm not going to leave, but they were, they could see what was going on and they couldn't get through to me because I was under that mind control that they would send me things. So once they started giving me these crazy rules about can't invite her and, you know, I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. This, yeah. is getting, this is getting too wild. This is getting too wild. And so. And how long were you there? I mean, by this, by this point, uh, how long had you been there? About a year and a half. Okay. Wow. So it was, <laughs> you caught on pretty quickly what was going on there then. Yeah. I'm not, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty strong willed guy and I'm pretty resilient. So at that point, so a lot of people are, are, are scared to leave because they don't have anybody. They don't have anywhere to go. 
Mm-hmm. They don't have anything outside of the community because this is his life. This is his family. Right. And yeah. it hurt for me to want to leave, but I also knew that I wanted more from my life. Right. And I think, I, I think, I think God does things in seasons, you know, and, and it was time for me to move on. Right. It was time for me to move on. So you left, uh, was that the point? I mean, well, let me back up. Was that the point at which you decided to leave, uh, leave them? And, 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 uh, I mean, were there other things that precipitated that choice or was that pretty much what, uh, kind of really kind of turned you off? Yeah, it, I mean, it got to the point too where they, it, it got this bad, Raphael, where I, they knew my desire to want to pursue this girl. They knew that I was becoming a problem. They told me eventually that, hey, you're not allowed to text this girl. You're not allowed to invite her to any more events that you uh, organize. And even at church, you're allowed a cordial hello and that's it. <laughs> wow. I'm like, y'all are crazy. I'm out. Wow. You know? Yeah. So, so you left. So at that then, point, I left. Yeah, I okay. Left. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, that was your whole world, wasn't it? I mean, that was all your friends, your your family, and everything there. And, and uh, you just left over over that precipitating event, then, right? Uh, I luckily I had my mentor and her husband. They're kind of like my spiritual parents, so they took me in. Okay. Uh, but it was still complete hell. Oh yeah. And it gets even better off here. So let me tell you this: I go to the. Um, I can't remember which elder I went to. I knew it was Sebastian. He was, he was kind of my go-to. So I went to him and I was like, Hey man, I think I'm going to leave. And he's like, why would you do that? You're walking out of the will of God. God called you here. There's no reason for you to leave. You know how many people you're going to hurt. You're going to betray your whole house. You're a house leader. You're leading the work crew. So many people are counting on you. So many people are relying on you. I can't believe you're going to do this. This is unbelievable. You're being selfish, blah, 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 blah. You're in sin. And I'm like, well, this just confirms everything. You don't, don't try to pull, you know, the elder card on me. It's not going to work. So I, uh, I, I went to leave the next day and had all my stuff packed up and I didn't have any money or anything. And I was like, Hey, can I have a little help? And they're like, they're like, yeah. So. Sebastian left, came back, gave me a check for $2,000. I was like, well, that's really nice. I appreciate that. You know, that's really going to help. Luckily, I knew I knew the trades and I could get a job pretty easily. So I go to leave and I look at the check they wrote in the memo down at the bottom, Luke 14, like 15 through 40 or whatever it was. And so I was like, that's the best of purple of the prodigal son. Unbelievable. I can't believe this. Like, what, what are you saying? Don't go out and spend all this money on harlots? Or are you calling me the prodigal son? Like, what are you saying here? It's just, yeah, I couldn't believe that they wrote that. And so, <laughs> wow. Uh, so I asked Zach, I said, hey, man, can we get together and talk? And so at this point, because like you said, it was my whole world. Like I, And everybody shuns you at that point because you're in sin. You walked out. You betrayed everybody by leaving. At least that's what they were telling me. And so until you repent, People aren't going to talk to you because they tell you, "Hey, our brother's in sin. You don't want to. Uh, you don't. You don't want to be around him right now. He's walking out of the will of God. We need to pray for him. You know what I mean? And 
so I was I was completely torn because I had nobody. Luckily, I had my mentors, but besides that, nobody would respond to my calls, nobody would respond to my texts, except for Zach. And we met and had lunch, and I can't remember everything that we talked about. And I was just like, how am I betraying people? I don't understand that. And he's like, well, let me put it to you like this, brother. Just so happened I had left on Easter weekend. It was Good Friday when I left. He said, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that you betrayed everybody like you did and you left on Good Friday, just like someone else who betrayed on Good on Good Friday or something like that. And I'm like, dang, bro, he called me Judas? Like, this is crazy. I can't believe this. Wow. No shame, no guilt. No, uh, just, 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 just go ahead and leave. Yeah, wow. So, so they dropped that bomb on you. That little, that, and, and, and this is on, on your way out. You're, you're, you're leaving to give you a $2,000 check, but they're going to make sure that they're going to, they're going to get their most, uh, they're going to get more of an investment out of it that, 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 that you really bargained for. Yeah. Well, I had met with Zach a couple of days later. So we had met at a Panera and had a conversation and that's when he said that. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. So at this point, I'm feeling, I'm feeling shameful. I'm like, man, I, I did betray people. I, there were guys counting on me. I was leading these men. I was discipling these guys. And I just up and left them. You know what? That is selfish. And I was torn. I was torn. And I was like, you know what? Listen, it gets, it gets better off y'all. I was like, you know what? This, this they're, they're right. They're right, man. I, I, I'm walking out of the world. God, God called me to this amazing community and I'm walking out of this. I shouldn't have done this. I'm selfish. Just the enemy is just pounding me, right? And so I texted Zach. I think I group texted Zach, Sebastian, Ben Moncourt, I think maybe. Can't remember exactly, but I know it was Zach and Sebastian. I said, Hey, I want to repent. I want to come back. I'm sorry. You know. Because uh, I got scared. I was like, man, I don't want to walk out of the will of God. If this is yeah. God's purpose for me, I want to make sure I'm staying in that. Yeah. And plus, I was also feeling this this extreme rejection, this uh, this this amazing, uh, not amazing, but this 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 ex- excruciating fear that I may never come back into the will of God. Mm. So I said, yeah. I want to I come back. I want to come back. And so they literally, I came back. And I pulled up, I pulled up in my truck and the whole community was out there. They had, they had thrown a party for me. Um, and I thought this was really odd. So I come back, right? And people, everyone's like, Oh, he's back. This is great. Like, we're all, they had, they had, the women had cooked a bunch of food. Uh, everybody was there. Everyone was having a party and they're like, we threw a party for you, brother. And I'm like, this is awesome. Thanks guys. And one of the women walks up. She goes, the prodigal son returns. And I'm like, dang, man. Like, I never forgot that. I was like, that's how, that's how this is viewed. That's how, that's how this is viewed, man. Like, just weird mind stuff, mind tricks. And (laughs) wow. That that never set, that never set right with me. That never. Yeah. Yeah. So you come back and through your party. And they rejoiced that the prodigal son come back. And that was the, and that was the, how the entire community was meant to view your departure as, as someone who had <laughs> fallen to sin, but repented and had come around. And, and you were, you, you who were dead were now alive again, right? Yeah. He who was lost is now found. Yeah. 
Wow. So yeah. you came back, and what was it like after you came back? Was everything just immediately everything was, was everything was all sunshine and roses again, or I mean, did it just you just pick up where you left off? Has nothing happened, or I mean, with any consequences? Any any? I mean, what what happened? What was your life like after that? There. Uh, I I was um. You know, I can't remember, Raphael, if I went back into leadership or not. I don't think I did initially. Um, I think I may, I think I did resume house leadership after a while. Um, can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure I, I resumed house leadership. And, um, but it was never the same. I still had the, I still had those feelings of like, this isn't right. Things here, things here are not good. Um, so, yeah, it, it was never it was never the same. And again, I was only I was only there out of guilt and shame that I felt. No. How was the matter with you and the and and the relationship that you wanted to pursue with this young woman? How did that go? Did you not pick that up again and not touch it? Or, I mean, obviously it was a big point of of conscience for you there. Um, was it, did that relationship ever proceed at all, or how, what happened after that? No, no, I never did. Actually, we, uh, we were, we were texting back and forth a little bit and, um, but nobody knew it because we both, her and I both knew that, uh, we would be reprimanded if, if they knew that we were communicating behind people's back again. Again, cordial hello, cordial hello at church is all you get. Mm, yeah. So, so that was something you just, pretty much chalked up to experience and, and put behind you. So so as you went on and kept on, I mean, you uh, were continuing to do your best to be respected and, 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 and to do what you can. Um, uh, how much long, how much, did you stay there much longer after that? Or I mean, what was, I mean, from what I understand, you, you, you left again, not that long, long, long after that. Yeah. I, um, I can't remember the timeline, but I was there for about another year. I think I was there for about another year. Yeah. Before I left again. Before I left again. Um, and so it, it, it was just the same stuff at this point. The, um, you know, I, I was told at one point that I was you know, misleading the women and, and all this. And, and that, that tore me up. I was like, I, I I don't want women to feel unsafe around me. Is that because I'm a charismatic guy and they thought maybe I was flirting with them or I don't know, but uh, I got reprimanded for that one time and then come to find out it was just a misunderstanding that the girl had said something and the, and the elder took it the wrong way, but I got hammered for that one. And I, and I was tore up. I was like, this is not, um, this is not, Something that are. is my yeah, it's not who I am. It's not my intention. That was not. I'm not yeah. trying to. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to lead women astray or anything. But I had my. Uh, I had an iPhone, and Sebastian's like, "Hey man, I, I really think you're gonna have to get rid of that." And I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> and he's like, "It's just. It's too much. A, it too much temptation to fall into sin and stuff. Like you could be on Facebook and you know there's women on there and stuff." And I'm like. Wow. I'm not pursuing any women, Sebastian. I promise. I really like my iPhone because of this, this was good music on here, and and I need, um, I need that that worship and stuff for in the mornings when I'm praying and and having my quiet time, you know. 
And he's like, well, I think she's gonna, you're going to need to give that up. And I'm like, nope, ain't doing it. Not okay with that. So Zach, uh, and this is when I saw that, you know, Zach had uh, more power than everyone else. Um, I said, hey, Zach, this isn't, this isn't cool, man. I don't understand this. And he's like, well, what's the problem? I'm like, fine. I understand if you think that, you know, people think that Facebook or whatever, I understand that there's temptation on there and, and I don't have a problem with that because I'm not doing anything. But one thing I really am going to miss is my music because at that point you have to have a flip phone. They give out flip phones at that point. And I'm like, I'm really going to miss my music. And he's like, I'll tell you what, brother, you, you get rid of your phone and um, I'll buy you an iPod. Now back then that was when those big fat iPods came out. Remember those yeah. things? And they would hold like oh, yeah. 64 gigs of music. Like you could like do like 72 days of music. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah. In fact, then they were like $200. And he's like, yeah. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll use my credit card. And so I was like, cool, sweet, you know? Um, here I am living off $100 a month, which is usually to take people out and spend on other people. And you're dropping, you know, $200 to buy me an iPod because you like me, I guess. I don't know. But looking back on that, I'm like, man, you just have a credit card to do whatever you want with, don't you? Like, that must be nice. Yeah, so he sounds like he did. I mean, from what we understand, he's supposed to be, uh, Zach's supposed to be worth some, a significant amount of money. He's doing pretty good for himself there. I mean, uh, yeah. some, somebody who's alleged to possibly be worth over $2 million, uh, while everyone else is living on $100 a month stipend, maybe 200 mm. uh, certainly sounds like, uh, they're doing pretty well for themselves. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, so like, man, that's, that's nice. What else do you yeah. buy for yourself? Or, you know, I mean, he wasn't a really materialistic guy, but the fact that you had access to that and you didn't blink an eye meant that no one was calling you out or keeping track of what you're spending. So. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean, shouldn't the, I mean, uh, what does the Bible say about, about the master and disciple? You know, disciples should be as the master. And, and so, right. so they should be emulating one another. So therefore somebody who is, uh, commanding people to live in a, in a common per situation where, where, where no one spends big bucks, they should be the one, uh, just really being the blameless example of, of, of financial, um, responsibility in accordance with what they believe is a foundational doctrine. And it sounds to me like that wasn't anything, it doesn't sound like anything he's really being held to, is it? Yeah, he, you know, we've always said, who's holding Zach accountable? You know, like, even the elders were being held accountable by Zach. But right. I walked in on, on a couple of times where Zach was rebuking some of the other elders. I was like, well, but no one, no one was ever rebuking Zach. Right. And so, and they're like, oh, well, he's, uh, he would say, oh, I, I, I'm being held accountable by, the, uh, by Dennis Bosager and their elders and North Star and their elders. And I'm like, they're not with you on a day to day basis. Right. You know what I mean? Like they, they have no clue. They're not looking into your life. They have no clue what you're doing or, can, or holding you accountable. Right. So that's not, that's not true. You right. know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know what you mean by that, but. Was the incident with no, the iPod why you decided to leave the second time? No, but that was just little things like that. Um, 
I just, again, I, I wanted, I wanted to have a family and stuff and me being told I, I had marriage idolatry and, you know, I had a love of the world is what they called it. Um, mm. <laughs> because I want to have a house. <laughs> um, you know, I want to have a house and a family. So you got love of the world. Um, no, I just, I was just, I just saw the writing on the wall and, you know, and so when I left that second time, I had actually reached out to the girl. And I'll keep her name anonymous because I want to respect her, and I don't, I don't know if she's okay with that. So, but That's fine. I reached out to her and I said, "Hey, uh, would you like to?" Uh, actually, she had reached out to my mentor and said, "Hey, hope Eric's okay." And she said, um, "Just checking in." And my mentor was like, "Well, why don't you? Uh, why don't you give him a text yourself?" And so she told me this, and I'm like. I'm going to text her. So I texted her. I said, Hey, would you like to meet up for coffee? Just talk. She said, I would love that. So we got to have this long talk. And that's when she told me, I said, Hey, I really wanted to pursue you. And, um, really, really wanted to see if there could ever be something, but that was, I was told that, um, uh, that you weren't ready and all that. And she's like, no one had ever said anything to me about me not being ready or no one was discipling me or, or, or working through that with me. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. And after we had that talk, she had went back and I texted her again and she said, I can't communicate with you anymore. I'm sorry. I have to, I have to stop talking to you. Um, and I guess later on down the road, I figured out that they had, found out she had lied to them and told them that she was going somewhere else when she came to meet me and they found out and she got in some major trouble for that told her that um she was in sin and she had the jezebel spirit (laughs) in her and that she that she was going off the rails and just all this crazy stuff and i'm like wow i can understand if you were upset but to tell someone they have the jezebel spirit or to tell someone that it's uh, no coincidence that you left on Good Friday, pretty much calling him Judas or putting on a check that, you know, the prodigal son. It's just, it's just unbelievable. And, and I, I totally, totally believe, you know, it's something that Christy said last week when you interviewed her. Um, when, when Zach said, you know, she, Christy said, Hey, I'm reaching out to this guy, the heroin act or whatever that was pushing the lawnmower around. And he said, Oh, he's still, you know. Uh, there's that 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 critical uh, cynical spirit that he has, which I feel like all of those the prodigal son on the check, obviously him saying to my face he called me Judas, and then saying that she had the Jezebel spirit. All that is trickling down from leadership, right? Everything in any kind of business or any kind of group, it all starts at the top. Yeah. So the group the group will will convey to you what is being told to them from the top. It all starts right. with leadership. And so all of that's being trickled down from from Zach and yeah, because they get to, they get to frame what the situation is. So therefore, if they tell you that that A means B and one plus one equals four, you know they can figure out and 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 de- define for the people what they are really seeing. So therefore, this is the way they're supposed to act because they're not because obviously not in as in, in as, as close as in tune with God as they need to be to understand it. So the leadership provides them right. how to, how to do that, right? And I, I truly, you know, 
I truly feel for Zach because he is extremely deceived and is on a, on a path that is not going to be well for him. And I, I just want so much. Again, you and our, my desire and your desire, I truly believe, is for them to repent and yeah. come back to their one, their one true love and to understand, hey, man, you went down a wrong path and it got real messy, but there's, you can always come back to Jesus, bro. Like, I don't, I don't wish any ill content or any kind of evil upon Zach or any of the elders. I just want them to come back and really understand what it means to have a true relationship with Jesus. So right. I hope that is conveyed from my heart. I don't, I don't, but, but it, your, your actions are going to really hurt somebody one day. Yeah. And, and, and they, they already have, I believe in so many instances, they already have. Yeah. And, you know, and just hearing Christy, what she was saying in her, in her podcast was, you know, the poor girl prays and struggles every day with suicide. My fear is they're going to, they're going to uh, kick somebody out or, or someone's going to want to leave. They're going to shun them like they did me. Which I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty strong-willed, resilient guy, and it tore me up—the rejection and the, the shame and the guilt—and I just don't see it ending well. I, I feel like it, you can have another, uh, you know, Branch Davidian, David Crest type deal, or you can have someone come in and shoot up the place on the Thursday night. It's an open invitation. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like I just don't want this to end well, and I, I really hope that Zach and the elders. Heed God's warnings to repent. Yeah, you know, um, right. And it's something we we definitely want to be, a, you know, do what we need to do to be a messenger. I mean, they can shoot us. I don't care. I, I've never really cared what people think about me ever in terms of what I do with what mm-hmm. we do. But but definitely the message that we bear it needs to be exactly just that. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll, 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 we'll touch on that a little bit more because that's something I, w- I would like to speak to just a little bit more. But so you left mm-hmm. the second time, uh, and and did you come back again, or was it was that it, or what happened after that? I think I came back for like six more months. Um, I think I left, and again dealing with the extreme shame and the guilt and all that once again just tore me up and I, and, and I struggled with it. And, um, at this point I came back and, um, I wasn't there very long and, and, and I left again. Okay. Um, again, being in leadership and stuff, I feel like I was letting people down. I really, I really struggled with, um, with just rejection and, I think at this point, I, I, I just missed my family because that's who they were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were your family who, and they rejected you and they, they, they treated you like, like, like pond scum. I mean, and the sad mm-hmm. thing is, is that, is that every cut they could, they could lay on you had that much more deeper of an impact. You know, right. uh, you were, you were there who with these people that, you know, 80 people who loved you, as you told me one time, and, and you had this younger kid playing an elder card over the older members, and you seemingly had the ability to tell everybody whatever, how everything really was, regardless of what you said or did. And that, um, you know, uh, let me ask you this. I mean, when you came back those second time, even though, you know, like I said, you, you, you they welcomed you through a party. Did anybody ever actually come up to you and tell you, man, you really let me down? Man, you really tore me up by leaving. Did you ever, what kind of conversations were those like? Did you ever have those? Yeah. 
No. Nope. No one ever said that to me. Okay, so um, maybe Sebastian said, "Hey, man, you know what I mean?" Like it was. It was never a sympathetic or heart to heart conversation. Yeah. It was more like you you betrayed everybody, and I'm glad that you came to your senses. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, but, but of course, it's from their perspective saying, "Well, you just you just you know tore everybody up," but. But like you just said, no one would come back to you and just really lay down you, did they? I mean, if everybody was supposed to be so good about calling everybody else out, then I think that would have been the perfect time for some of them to let you know, hey, man, you really let me down. But nobody ever did, you said. How interesting. No, no and, and, you know, <laughs> rebuking in love was never a thing. It was just rebuking. Yeah. So you can rebuke someone in love and they can receive it, you know, but... If uh, if it's not done in love, it's not going to be received well. Yeah, right. What was what was what caused that break when you finally left for the last time and and, and the final time? What 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 made you actually decide that I need to go and 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 what what was it? there was a specific incident you mentioned that that, that really caused that break? Can you can you uh, elaborate on that? Which incident are you talking about? Uh, when you left for the last time. There's an incident uh, with with some members doing some things, and that 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 just seemed totally wrong. That 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 uh, that Zach really didn't uh, seem to be very fair to them. I'm not I'm not following on which which incident you're talking about. I'm sorry. There there's an incident you mentioned to me about two members who were thought to be gay, who were hitting on other uh, members. That, that that made him and that made you know that there was a lot of power tripping and manipulation by the group leadership. Yeah, so there was a um, there was a, a a guy who uh, had openly struggled with homosexuality, um, and there are quite a few people in, in the community who um, still struggled or still struggles. I think it'll probably be a struggle for the rest of their life. And I mean, people can be you know can be completely delivered and healed of that, but right, right. Most, most people most people still struggled with it, mm-hmm. and. I think three of the five elders are celibate. Um, and I think uh, a couple of them may have struggled with that as well. But anyway, there was an incident with a a younger kid had come around uh quite often and there was a there was a there was a member of the community that um, had openly had a struggle with a guy and neighbor that they had met and he had said, Hey, I think he had been caught red handed, honestly. And so he had gotten caught with, uh, the neighbor and me knowing this because I was in leadership knew about this incident. And then there was a 16 year old kid who was coming around who, um, who was, who struggled with homosexual, homosexuality as well. And, he had revealed himself to this kid and they had, there was some touching going on. I don't know the complete details, but there was definitely an incident and nobody had, they, they got wind of that. The kids stopped coming around. The mom was very unhealthy. Um, so I think they just eventually fizzled out and stopped coming around, but they, uh, that for sure, happened with that young kid and this guy 
And I approached the kid. I found him later and I said, Hey, would you be willing to talk about this? And he, 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 he declined. He didn't really want to get into it. Um, and I was hoping that he would, um, take this to the police or somebody because this is, uh, that, that's not okay. That's not okay at all. Yeah. I mean, that's clearly inappropriate. And like you said, just, just about practically criminal by what was going on there. I mean, it's, that's, that's absolutely criminal. Yeah. Statutory rape, being in my mind. Right. Exactly. And so that was told, uh, and that was something that was, that was, that became apparently something that was well known among the leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And they, um, they, they did nothing. They did nothing. And I didn't, um, I didn't find this out until later or else I would have exposed everything. I would have said something, but I didn't, I didn't find this out. And so I had already, uh, I had already left. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. So that was the moment in which, uh, well, what was the precipitating moment that really, that just said, okay, I, I am done and I'm walking away here and you, and you, and you left? You know, it, it, it kind of a stupid incident, but it was significant in my eyes. At this point, I, I had a, gotten a job with, uh, construction company. I wasn't working inside the community anymore. I don't think that they wanted me to be in direct contact with the elders and stuff and around as much. So I got a job outside of the community. Okay. I took a can opener to work and I accidentally left the can opener at work and I was taking a shower and Sebastian busts in. He's like, he's like, where's the can opener? And I was like, oh, crap, man, I'm sorry. I must have left that at work. And he was like, that's not okay. And just ripped into me about this can opener and was, like, completely disrespecting me, talking to me like a piece of crap. And I was like, okay, give me a talk when we get out of it when I got out of the shower. So I got out of the shower, and I was like, hey, man, what's 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 the deal, dude? And he's like, that's not okay. You're being selfish. I can't believe you're thinking what other people else. I was like, I accidentally left it at work. My bad. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll make sure it's back here. Well, it doesn't help us now. And just, just laid into me. He's <laughs> calling me selfish. And, and I'm, I'm like, you know what, man? I'm not, I'm not here for this. I'm not here for this, dude. Like, so I, we, we actually had to take the matter before, uh, one of the other elders who at this point, with Eric Potticary and he's kind of like, it's, it's Zach, Eric, and kind of everyone else. So Eric was kind of, and he was the one who was, you know, was, was the guy that got married and had all the kids and stuff. And so even Eric was like, just buy another can opener. You know what I mean? But it just, it, it got to this point where there was this extreme power trip going on with the elders and different things. And I'm like, this is getting out of hand, man. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be disrespected over something stupid. If you come to me in a in a in a way that is respectful as a man and we can talk about this, you know what I mean? I'll even take my own money and go to the store and buy a can opener real quick real quick if that's the thing. Like we need the can opener. Maybe we just borrow one from another house. How about that? But it was just it wasn't about the can opener. And I knew that. It was about it was about uh it was about power. It's about power and that's What's crazy is their ability to put you in place, right? Yeah. 
he, yeah. had, a, he had a history of struggling with 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 power. But then again, he got elected an elder with all this power and got the nickname the Rebucinator. And I just never understood, like, does nobody else see this? Like, <laughs> how this is being abused? Um, but nobody would, nobody wanted to call him out because he was an elder and no one would stand up to him. And I was, you know, one of the only guys that would ever really stand up to him. Hmm. Wow. So you left. And that was, uh, that, and then, and you didn't come back. That was it. Yeah. That was it. Wow. So, and that was in 2016, I understand. Yeah. Beginning. Yep. Beginning of 2016. Yeah. You lost every relationship with everyone there. And, uh, and that must have been one heck of an impact. I mean, you gave your life to Gladstone for something that was, that, uh, seemed in the end just so frail. So human, yeah. so, 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 so easily poisonable by human, uh, greed and, 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 and power tripping, you know, that's just was a, mm-hmm. a bad thing to have to deal with, man. So, uh, it took years, it took years to be okay. I yeah. mean, I would go, I would, I would try, I tried to go to a, a new church, you know, and, and they're like, uh, you know, we're having prayer meetings. And I'm like, oh, nope. I'm not going to any prayer meetings. Uh, small groups. Nope. I'm not doing the small groups. Like it's just this. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was, it, it was this, this, uh, this, this stench of Gladstone over every, any kind of religion. And I was mad. At, I was, I didn't really want anything to do with God. Yeah. Uh, let's add some strong people around me who, who really helped me and loved on me and showed me like, Hey, that, this is something that was traumatic and we're going to walk through this with you. And, we want, we, we, we need to expose this and we want to expose this. Um, Lord, yeah. there's, there, there, Zach will never talk with anybody. It's, they've, they've, there's been leaders around the city who have tried to reach out. There was one meeting with a, with like Zach and like three of the elders and then leadership from one of the churches. Um, and they got nowhere. They got nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zach, you know, I, I think Chrissy had said this, like, or maybe it was Jeremiah had said, they will send, they will send two other of the elders to talk for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't, he won't meet with, and, and they won't meet with anybody. They won't meet with anybody. They won't talk to anybody. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. And that's, that's because they know they have nothing to stand on. You know, there's, 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 there's every bit of, uh, of factual biblical evidence that what they teach is wrong and, 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 and that what they practice is wrong. I mean, you don't treat people the way that, uh, the, the eldership of, uh, of Gladstone does. Gladstone mm-hmm. slash Madison place. I mean, whatever you want, you, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. I mean, that, that, they, 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 it's led by corrupt leaders. Who believe in being church bullies, uh, and, and, and actually being able to enrich themselves at the expense of a hard grouping bunch of people who give their, their money faithfully in the belief that it's going to be spent well to help support a Christian community when, when, and, and as I said, it's, somebody's living pretty large off that stuff. And we're going to be talking more about that <laughs> in the future podcasts yeah. to come. Something but, else I'm, yeah, something else I wanted to bring up, which, you know, I think Christy had touched on a little bit, but it's very concerning is we got this, uh, this organization that we, that we met with. Uh, I don't know. 
they started getting obsessed with Jews and Jewish culture and all that, uh, and figured out that this Hope for Israel organization will give you a tour of Israel. And so, whether I think it, it was Zach who really got a hold of this and was like, hey, we're going to start doing Israel trips for people. Like, not everybody can go all at once, obviously, but we're going to do maybe two trips a year. And so, it was like, oh, did you go to Israel? It's like, no, I'm going on the next trip. And it's like, okay. So, just like Christy was saying, stringent routine every single day. You're up at five. You're reading your Bible. You're spending an hour with God. Then you go to work and you have have breakfast or whatever and you come home you go to prayer meetings or whatever's going on that night and and then on saturdays you do fundraising and fundraising you know for me is doing construction which is an easy work and so and scott even had hit on this too where we had work days it was everyone else working but zach walking around and like just walking around and like joking with people and having fun like and i never said everything i was like why isn't he helping you know? mm-hmm. So all these fundraising going on, everybody's, you know, giving up their Saturdays to do fundraising. You had to do fundraising. Um, it eventually got to the point where now there's there's Poland trips, there's India trips, there's Mexico trips, there's two or three Israel trips every year. Um, and not everybody gets to go on them except for one person. And that's Zach. He goes on every single trip. And Zach does very few fundraising. And I'm just like, man, this is not okay. Yeah, what's what's the point? Why is he going? What are these what are these trips meant to be? And and who are these and these organizations he's going with, I assume, are some sort of Christian mission organizations. Why are they having why are they having him come? I mean, what was it about Zach that lit them up and make them think that this guy needed to come uh share time with them? Because he would give teachings when we would go on these trips. Okay. He gives teachings. That's it. No, I they were just they were just I don't whatever kind of teachings he I I don't know I never saw the relevance of it. And at first it was like oh this is great we're going to Israel this is so much fun but it was like every single time you know Zach was going but there was never anyone else who got to go on every single trip. Uh, so it was almost like it was just a fun thing that Zach had come up with and had, he, like you said, he was a, he, he's a master manipulator and he he figured out all oh, these trips. We have these ways of going these trips, but uh, I don't know. I guess the reasons were we were growing in our relationship with Jesus by seeing these sites, or we were seeing the Holocaust sites and went and you know this really. I don't know exactly, Raphael. It's very convoluted, which Zach's really good at. Um, so. I just really breaks my heart that these these people are in this community and they give their lives throughout the week and then they don't even have a day to relax. Yeah. You know. Even like Christy said, Sundays are our Sundays are supposed to be our rest day, but it's you know, it's clean. You go to church, you come home, you clean, and then you usually meet with your with your house and you have some kind of like teaching or go over things that you guys need to do within the house or whatever and then you have dinner with maybe another another house and then you go to bed and start your, another, start your week again. So yeah. Nobody has any free time and that's why no one can go spend time with their family. Right. No one has time to hang out with anybody. No one and just becomes mm-hmm. your family. Right. You 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's completely controlled. I mean, it's, it's completely, uh, for what? So Zach can go on trips? Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I just never sat right with me. No. Um, but... So I, I guess, I guess you never got to go to Israel or Poland or anything like that. No, I went to Israel. Yeah, I went to Israel. You did go to Israel. Okay. Well, how yeah. many people were actually able to go? I think there was 20 of us that went. Okay. Wow. Which I understand. I understand, hey, you can't send everybody. Right. And everybody gets to go on a trip eventually. But it would, it just, just, just for a pure, the pure fact of looking or, or, or being above approach, I was leading a community. I wouldn't go on every single trip. I would stay back on one of them. You know what I mean? He'd be like, hey, let someone else go this time that hasn't gone or whatever. I don't know. But yeah. I'm going to leave. Zach's going to be on every trip. Wow. So that's, and that's where it basically is, you know, like, like we've, like we've often said in our, in our podcast here, you know, if you remember the, the 1984, uh, Novel by George Orwell, in which the the farm animals at the, on the mythical farm uh, who took over uh, to free themselves of the human slave masters, and and uh, eventually a leadership cast comes into play made of entirely of pigs, and they pen this mm-hmm. uh, this this little set this axiom on on the farm on the farm but uh, with paint, uh, they, 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 and the farm is. It's posted on, on a farm barn wall, and it originally says, you know, all anim- all animals are equal. So that sounds pretty pretty harmless. And then later on, as as the aberrancy grows, as the all is not well comes out, and there starts to become the, the breakdown and, and authoritarianism. Uh, one one morning, uh, the animals wake up and they see on that on that, on that same wall. Uh, the same saying that they'd seen for months, but now they ask themselves, what, did they forget that it also said that all animals are equal, but not all, but, but some animals are more equal than others. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what Zach and the leadership and of, and of any cult worth its salt actually embody. That, yeah, we're all one for all, all for one, but you know, but some are going to have certainly a, a lot more of a bigger cut. Of whatever everybody's, you know, drinking, you know, so. Right. And that's sadly right. how, how it really, really is. So. Yeah. Wow. What a incredible story, man. Incredible. Um, I mean, um, well, in, 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 so you've, you've come through this and thank mm-hmm. God it seems like you, like we've been sharing, you, you managed to, you know, recover, uh, a healthy faith, a healthy balance. Uh, within yourself and that, and that you, you've moved on, you know, and that you're certainly, um, you know, living, uh, a much more, uh, much more balanced, much more careful life than perhaps before. And, uh, uh, did you ever, did you ever marry or did you ever move on with anyone else or you know, what, 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 where are you at no. now? Never, never married, never married, but really, okay. really look forward to that one day still. Good. Um, without, with, without the shame and goat of it being married idolatry. <laughs> um, and I look forward to, I'm in the process of buying a house. Um, and in the process of starting my own construction business. So, uh, a lot of good things that the Lord has blessed me with. Good. I'm truly That's blessed, nice. man. And I got a lot of, a lot of godly, awesome people around me. Yeah. I uh, still stay in contact with 
um, with, with some people and, you know, one of the guys who was in there with me, him and I have been best friends since, you know, since 2015 and on. So yeah, God's, God's really blessed me, man. Yeah. And you've, you certainly sound like, like I said, it's, it's something that you've not allowed to, to make you bitter. I mean, what, what, what was the hardest part in terms of leaving and trying to, you know, re, re, recover yourself and try to get back on your feet? What was probably the one thing that you, you think, uh, really helped you kind of, kind of, you know, um, get back on your feet, so to speak? What was the hardest part or what helped me get back on my What was the, what was the one thing that you really, uh, have learned has really helped you? Um, move beyond things and, 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 and get over what had happened to you and help you get back on your feet. Just process, processing trauma and, and, you know, the stuff that I, that I went through and having a good godly community around me to show me what, what truth is, um, and to just, to just love on me. So that's been the thing that's really, Help me overcome a lot of this and just knowing that God is not a God of control and manipulation and shame and guilt. That's not, that's not of God. It's of the enemy and it's his, it's his deception tool. Right. Uh, he wants to beat you down with shame and guilt. That's his, that's his main, uh, his main tool, his main weapon. Amen. And, yeah. uh, and it, it, it works if, you, if you're not careful. And so. Right. Just recognizing that the, the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's right. He's the one that accuses. He's the one that rails upon, that condemns, that beats down uh, people within our hearts and minds. And and to hear that it, that a church is devoted to that kind of principle among itself really speaks volumes about where they really stand when they claim to know the love of God, and it's really anything but. So that's. I mean, that's that's why that's why I left and went back two or three times because yeah. I was completely beat down with shame and guilt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I finally broke free from that and was like, no, this is not this is not okay. This is not of God. Yeah. And luckily, I had some awesome people in my corner to help yeah. me through that. That's great. Praise God. So, in closing, um, Eric, what would you say to the people who might be listening there there in Gladstone who might be Listening in and, and maybe thinking uh, some things they've never thought before after they've heard what you say. I mean, obviously you're someone who is going to be well known to them. Uh, what would you say to them about their involvement with the group? What, what, I'm going to give you the last moments of our time together to kind of maybe share with them. I mean, you mentioned the yeah. very clear fact that you know there is a day coming uh, in which reckoning is coming and, and that uh, some repentance. Needs to be done, but uh, I'd like you to elaborate on that if you care, and anything else you'd like to say to those who might be listening. Yeah, I, I guess what I would say to anybody in the community right now: listen to your conscience. If God is nudging you or telling you that something doesn't feel right, listen to that. And I just want you to know that there is a place for you to go. There is plenty of people right now who will help you, who will come alongside you, who will love on you, and show you what truth is, and will be there for you. You don't have to stay in this. You do not have to stay in this. I'm here to help you. I will I look me up on Facebook. My name is Eric Kraus, E-R-I-C-K-R-A-U-S. Find my phone number. Get a hold of me however you can. There's a number of people who feel the same way I do. 
but you don't have to live in this bondage. You don't have to live in this, this, this micromanaging controlling environment and it's not healthy. And if you have the nudge or the feeling that, that you want to leave and you want to get out of this, there are people who want to help and the numbers are growing by the day who want to help those mm-hmm. coming out of this. I know that Christy is one. Um, and I know there's plenty of other people. And so we're just shouting it from the rooftops that there is another way. Yeah. There is, there is, there is refuge out there. And I just pray that you listen to God's nudging, just like, just like I did. Um, it's not going to be easy, but we're here for you. Amen. Right. And we want to eventually set up uh, a point of contact. Um, and that's something that, uh, I would like to talk with you and the other folks involved, uh, some simple yeah. way that they can do that, that you mm-hmm. guys can, uh, consume your nursemaid. This is going to be an email address. I hope we can set up and, uh, we might do it through the website. It just depends on how everybody feels, but, uh, I just want to be able to mm-hmm. make that available to people that need help. And, yeah, I, and I do know this. I can tell you this. If you're really sick, if you're listening to this and you, and you need help, regardless whether you're, you're in Gladstone or any of the other movements we've discussed, or you're in Xenos, or any other place like that, yep. if you need uh, some help, you need to talk to somebody, you need physical help, you need you need assistance with something to, to help you move beyond a stuck part in your life, or, I mean, if, if you need the help, we do have, we do have, have our individual um, uh, inbox, it's help at spiritwatch.org, that is certainly something mm-hmm. that we can use, and if we can email from there, Directed to, to you or Scott or Christy or the others coming on, I will certainly make sure you get a hold of that. And, uh, and I, I appreciate you making awesome. yourself available like that, Eric. Uh, that is, that is such Absolutely. a wonderful, it's a wonderful testimony that, that, that people who are viewed as such losers and, and Judas's really go beyond are going the extra, you're going the extra mile. You're doing what Jesus would, would have told you to do. You know, you know, if you're supposed to, if you're supposed to, you know, someone asks you for your, for your cloak, you give them your, your what, your shoes also. That's what Jesus said to do. And you, and I see you guys yep. doing exactly that. It's such a, such a blessing, uh, to work with you guys and something like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Amen. Well, thank you once again, uh, Eric. It's been a, it's been a blessing. It's been a challenging thing to hear, but but like I said, it's it's a it's a dearly bought per, uh, perspective that I think uh, you're, in your sharing of that uh, today is really going to help a lot of people. And uh, I, I I trust in that because we're, we're we're giving you the opportunity to speak uh, to the situation in only the voice and in only the tone you can. And thank you so much for provide, providing that for us today. Well, thank you, Raphael, too, for your heart and uh, just all that you're doing as well. We None of this would be happening if it wasn't for you. And so just want you to know we're here for whatever you need, and we're here for anybody else, like you said, in Gladstone or Dean Austin or anywhere else. We're, we're, here to, we're here to help and love on you. So exactly. thank you, too. Right. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, sir. And once again, uh, hopefully we'll have you guys back on sometime. And, and, uh, I, yeah. I, I really do feel that there's so much more to the story. We haven't begun to scratch yet. So, but thank you once again so much, uh, for your help today. My pleasure. Thank you, Raphael. Thank you. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. 
you can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.